Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Today's guest says she doesn't think it's ever been harder to be a teenage girl than it is today. Sissy Goff has been counseling for almost 30 years and has just put her best practice advice into a workbook specifically designed for teen girls suffering from anxiety. It's called Brave, a teen girl's guide to beating worry and anxiety. Hi, Sissy. Hi, I'm so glad to be with you today. Well, I'm so glad to have you with us. And I will tell you what, like, there are so many people who do what you do and are good at it, right? And and I'm so grateful because I see one of those people in South Dakota. Like, I have a therapist. I love her. She's essential to my life and to keeping me moving in the right direction. Um, But the one thing that stood out to me about you is that whether I was l- reading your latest book, Brave, or whether I was listening to your podcast, Raising Boys and Girls, um, or anything else I've come across about you, you say, I wish I could be there with you. And there's mm. something about those words. Why do you say that? I wish I could be there with you. You know, I think, I mean, we could talk about pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, but I mean, especially right now, I just feel like everybody is doing the best that they can. You know, everybody's working so hard at whatever we're doing in terms of work. And so I think always it feels like I learn better when someone's coming alongside me Mm -hmm. than when someone's trying to drag me along. And so I think I just feel like it is such a gift to get to sit with folks in my counseling office because when you can see someone's face and you're in their presence, it feels so different. So I think everybody that I'm talking to, I just want to replicate that feeling as much as possible that we're just kind of in it together because we sure need to be right now. Yeah. And that's the sense I get. That's what I love is you say, I I wish I could be there with you, but since I can't, Here's yes. Here are some thoughts on the podcast. Here are some thoughts in a book that I wrote down. And it, it makes me feel like she really wrote this because she cares about teenagers. And she cares, she cares about me as a mom of a teenager. Not because, hey, I want to go out on the speaking circuit so I had to, you know, get another book out quick. So thank you for that, for that authenticity. Yeah, it's just for saying that, Nicole. Yeah, it's just beautiful. So the book is thank called you. Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to um, beating worry and anxiety. And so I think the first thing I want to know from you is, you know, when we talk about fear or worry or anxiety, are we talking about the same thing? No, I don't think so at all. And I think fear, I would say the primary difference is fear comes up when we're in the presence of something we're afraid of. So if I'm afraid of spiders, I'm only going to be afraid of that if there is a spider around me or I think there might be one. And then when the threat's gone, my fear's gone. Mm -hmm. Whereas worry, I think we all worry to some degree. It's a little bit more pervasive. We can worry in a really anticipatory way. We can actually drum up worry. I talk in the Brave book about rumination and how often we can just think and think and overthink to the point that we get ourselves worried, which the brain chemistry actually gets involved in that process. But then anxiety, I think is more, you know, we all have intrusive thoughts every day. So it pops into our head that the worst thing we can imagine happen happening might happen. Like something bad is happening to our kids or our dog or to us, or, you know, someone's going to get sick, whatever it is. And 
when we don't have anxiety, those intrusive thoughts come and then they go. But if I have anxiety, that thought pops into my head and it gets stuck. And it's, I say to kids all the time in my office, it's like the one loop roller coaster at the fair. So that thought just circles around and around and around. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. Yes. And I lay in bed thinking about it or I go along my day and I get distracted by it over and over. So I would say that categorizes anxiety to me okay. for kids or grownups. Brilliant. Well, I want to show, um, I want to say hi to Alif, who is joining us this morning. And, and just to say uh, to everyone who is who is watching, if you have a question for Sissy, pop in here, put it in the comments. And I um, would love to share those questions with Sissy, because I'm sure your questions um, are, you know, probably more pertinent than than mine are right now, because, you know, whatever, you're, you're in your place. So I'd love to share where you are in your place with Sissy. And yes, be in the present. Future isn't there yet. Worry is future tense. Yeah. So um, do you feel when you talk about that, that loop and the loop and the loop of anxiety that more teenage girls or teenagers in general are there than they were when you and I were teens? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even five years ago, four years ago, actually, we wrote this book called Are My Kids on Track? And the research for that book said that one in eight kids were dealing with anxiety with girls twice as likely. Fast forward to two years ago, we were at one in four kids pre-pandemic. It had doubled that quickly. Girls again, twice as likely. Today, we're at one in three. And so it just keeps ramping up exponentially. And now one of the things I'm seeing in my counseling office is the anxiety is rippling over into depression, which mm -hmm. is why we really want to step in and help. Yeah. And especially in the pandemic, it feels like it just keeps getting worse. I had a friend say to me recently, is it just me or are suicide rates on the rise? They are. Oh, yes. It yeah. is. You know, I was, I was that, I was the eighth grade kid who couldn't see a vision for tomorrow and mm. didn't want a tomorrow. Um, mm. and, and yet I'm, you know, I somehow survived a suicide attempt and, and mm. am able to see things from a totally different perspective. And that is what makes me so excited to help others and to talk about the power of kindness and the power of that encouraging word and those sorts of things. But Sissy, is there anything that, that happened when you were growing up? Did you feel any of these things that made you want to help in this specific you know, career choice that you have? Yes. I mean, I think we probably all do that to some degree. I think we become the people we wish we had had in our lives when we were growing up. Mm. And I think that drove part of, of what I'm doing for sure. And I think I was anxious, but I'm older than you are. And when I was growing up, no one was in counseling or we didn't talk about it if we were, you know, I remember, I still remember having several friends that were in my sorority in college who disappeared for a semester, came back, and no one said a peep. No mm -hmm. one said a word to them about what was going on, which is terrible when you think about it. But but we grew up in that time, and I think what I did with my anxiety, and I sit with so many moms particularly who are in this place, is I think I funneled it into this type A personality where I didn't know what else to do, and so my primary coping skill became productivity. Succeed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I sit, you know, one of the things going on with anxiety in kids is if as a parent, you have anxiety, your kids are seven times more likely to have it themselves. And, 
And because we weren't in counseling growing up, I sit with so many <laughs> parents and I would imagine you're like this too, Nicole, but there are times I'll sit with a, a couple and, or a single parent and feel, I can feel the anxiety in the room. Like it's yeah. palpable. And I'll say, do you happen to have any family history for anxiety? And they'll say, no, we don't have any in our family. <laughs> but you know, because we weren't in counseling, I think we didn't know. And yeah. so helping understand what's going on with you as an adult can help just generationally, the mm -hmm. kids that we love too, in curbing what's going on for them. The beginning of Brave had some notes just for parents, which I thought were really interesting. Um, I have a 17-year-old daughter. She's a junior in high school. And I have a 14-year-old son who's a, really? a freshman. And then I just so I, he doesn't feel left out if he ever watches this, I have a little one, Ben, who's 11 um, or yeah. 10 in fifth grade. But the, one of the things that I thought was really interesting from the beginning of this book, your note to parents, was this idea of no peeking. Like this, should we look or shouldn't we look at our kid's diary or journal? I remember that being like, a debate when I was a kid, like, right? So, mm. so you kind of try to put that to rest. And would you tell us what your professional opinion is on reading your kid's stuff? My professional opinion would be not to do it because I think, you know, we have all these places adult, as adults where we can process what's going on emotionally apart from the people that it involves. You know, we can go to our own therapist. We can talk to friends. We can talk to our spouse. And the kids are never going to hear. And, and kids need a safe place to build a process, number one. Number two, they have really big feelings, especially adolescents. And so kids will write things like, I hate my mom. Mm -hmm. And they'll walk away and never think about it again. And it's not even necessarily how they feel. They've moved on from that as soon as it came out of their mind and onto the paper. But as a parent, if you read those words, you never forget it. Mm -mm. And so I really tell parents, I think it's so important to prioritize kids having a safe place. They may leave it out. It does not mean they meant for you to read it, which I have parents say that maybe <laughs> weekly in my office. Yeah, but they left it right there but on the couch. They probably I want know. me to know what they're thinking. <laughs> exactly. Totally. But I will say, I mean, I, I think even mentioning the suicide rates, I think the only time I would say all bets are off with that is if you suspect that your child is really depressed mm -hmm. and you think they could be contemplating suicide at that point, read their journal, go through their room, whatever you need to do to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. But otherwise I think it needs to be a place And the brave book is really meant to be a journal. There are lots of places for journaling. So basically I say to parents, leave it alone. Yeah. But out. It's private. Hopefully gracious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are some of the best practices you have four teens. In terms of worry and anxiety and beating it specifically, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, I know that you talk about social media, but also, you know, I think that there are other things that you, you know, I've heard you mention like get a pet, you know, just, just different yeah. sort of, sort of just kind of more original ideas or, or larger ideas than just, you know, when you're feeling anxiety, you should take a warm bath, you know? <laughs> right. Yes. Kind of practice coping strategies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, journaling would be a huge one. I think that's really important. I think getting outside if, if where you live is warm enough to do that, where you live might not be warm enough right now to do that. But <laughs> um, movement, I think is so helpful. We want to preventatively doing like, I love um, the Calm app or Calm Kids and Headspace. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think what happens to our brains, the, if we're anxious, so you probably know this, but the amygdala kind of hijacks the brain, the fight or flight region of the brain. And when it does, the blood flow goes there and it leaves a prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. And so 20 seconds of deep breathing resets the amygdala. So, and what, and if our, if our blood flow is shifting to the amygdala because we're anxious, the more often it does it, the more likely it is to, because the amygdala actually enlarges. And so we don't want to just do deep breathing. If we're in the middle of a panic attack or something, or we feel one coming on, we want to do it preventatively. And that's where I think apps like that are really helpful just to have that as kind of a daily practice. So that's another one I would say getting a pet. I tell parents in my office probably every week, I think your child needs a pet because that act of petting a dog or petting a cat, I don't know what else you can pet, goldfish, that doesn't work, but <laughs> you know, it releases um, endorphins in our brain, oxytocin in our brain, the nurturing hormone. And I have so many kids who will say to me, the person I talk to the most is my dog. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great one too. And you counsel with a dog, with Lucy, right? I do. I have a little Havanese that counsels with me every day. She works really hard. Yeah. Well, in, in Daystar, I thought was so interesting because you aren't the only one there that has a dog. No, we have five, we have 13 counselors and we have five dogs on staff. And so, so many parents, the first time they meet with me will say, the only way I got my child here is because you have dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it works. So talk about um, uh, when parents should step in and say, let's go visit the dogs, you know, or, you know, yeah. I, I think maybe right. you, maybe you might want to talk to somebody, a professional, because that can be, yeah, I remember when my kid, my, you know, when, when somebody suggested I, I seek therapy, I, I it, it was jarring to me at first. I was like, yeah. what are you saying? Something's wrong with me? You know, this yeah. is the last thing I want to hear is that something's wrong with me. Right. You know, I would, I mean, when I wrote, so there are three books kind of in this series, one for parents called Raising Worry-Free Girls, one for little girls called Braver, Stronger, Smarter, and then Brave for Adolescents. And when I wrote them, I kind of joked that the, the intention was to work people like me out of a job. Like my hope, there's such practical things in there. My hope is that families can do these things and not have to go to counseling Mm -hmm. because Anxiety is very treatable. It's the most prevalent disorder among kids, but it's the most treatable. And so that I say to parents, and often when when families will call Daystar, we'll say to them, try read this book at home, try these things. If it doesn't work after a couple of months, that's when I would say to go seek therapy. So that's my hope that families can do. And if you're listening and you have a boy, the same ideas from Raising Worry-Free Girls work for boys also. It's it's kind of our first practices we use in the office. But, you know, Nicole, I think my favorite thing I ever heard a parent say, and it wasn't too long ago, a mom said to me, I was trying to figure out how to get my child to come in and do counseling. And she said, you know, I told them that one of our primary jobs as your parent is to build your team. And we have somebody that's helping with your body, that's helping you physically, that's your doctor. We have people that are helping you academically, that are your teachers. And so, of course, we're going to have somebody who's going to step in emotionally. And so there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, this just means we think you're doing a lot of things great. We want to help you be your best self. And so we're going to have an emotional person on your team, too. And we're going to go see them for a few times. And we might not go back for a couple of years. But anytime you want 
over your growing up, this is going to be your person in your place which is such a beautiful taking the shame out of it way to talk about it. Yes, it is. It is because that's exactly what it is. One more person uh, for the team. Wow, I love it. Okay, so this one comes up a lot uh, amongst mom groups that talk. How about teens and technology? Do you have any thoughts on that? I definitely think it's contributing to anxiety. Mm. And I have some pretty specific thoughts in the Brave book about it. But I think, you know... I need to preface this by saying uh, my colleagues and I at Daystar would collectively say we've never seen parents as discouraged or weary as we're seeing them right now in the pandemic. And part of that, I think, is trying to stay on top of kids' technology use because, you know, if they're Zooming from school, I mean, they're on screens more than they're ever on screens right now. And so I want to say some things, but I also want to say I think the the overarching idea right now is to give yourself grace with this. They're just going to be on it more. And so as I say, we need to monitor and we need to limit. Also give yourself some room right now. But I also think it's both things. You know, it's that both and the idea of we do need to be aware of what they're doing, how much they're on screens. We need to be making sure adolescents will retreat to their rooms and a lot of kids have given the choice will never come back out after they get home from school or if they're Zooming, will just not come out all day long. Yeah. And so they need to come out and have dinner with you. They need to go for a walk with you. They need to be emerging from their rooms. And we need to be making sure they're having that sense of face-to-face interaction. It's really important for them. So mm-hmm. be aware of their usage. And, and I think there's some great tools like the circle is a hub that you can get for your home that gives everybody time out. It gives everybody bedtime. I think we've got to have those kind of things for them. Also, I would say Bark is an app that I love that monitors social media usage for kids. Um, so anything we can do like that, we just need to be tracking Apple now and their screen time has the same thing. We need to be tracking what they're doing and we need to be limiting it because too much time can make anxiety worse and social media too. The comparison mm-hmm. that takes place there right now is, I think, I think it's always hard, but right now when kids have varying levels of what they're allowed to do mm-hmm. and they're seeing other kids who are getting to do more, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're and missing. their brains aren't developed. It's hard for us and our brains are developed. So we want to be really aware <laughs> for them. Yeah. What haven't I asked that you really want to make sure that, that, parents or or teens who are watching this right now um, that they know? know, The the first thing that I talk about, I think, past instructions for parents in the Brave book is that I feel like every teenage girl I see really is thinking two things. One, I'm the only one who feels this way. And two, something is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And and I would say a lot of parents, a lot of grownups feel the same way. And I think that is that overarchingly would be what I would hope kids would get from Brave. But even from sitting with you and I in this conversation, you are not whatever you're feeling right now in the midst of this pandemic. You're not the only one. Mm -hmm. It is overwhelming for every single one of us. And there's nothing wrong with you that you feel this way, Mm -hmm. because whatever it is, again, you're not alone in it. And so. There are so many great resources that can help. Like you said, there are people that are doing what I'm doing all over the country, all over the world. And so there are resources out there and don't be embarrassed to reach out for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great advice. 
Sissy, when I um, talk to people on the Kindness Podcast, I love to ask them to share a story of kindness. And um, I feel like you've just given us all of this kindness, but I'm wondering if there's a particular mm. story that um, stands out to you where you were the giver, the receiver, or maybe the witness of uh, a beautiful act of kindness. Wow. Um, you know, I think I would say maybe because we've been talking about dogs, I think that would feel like in both places. I think when I got my first dog as an adult, that was from my mom and it was, I was, so I have kind of a funny family story and I was an only child till I was 16. And then my parents got pregnant, which Oh. Evidently, my mom said that my first comment was, I didn't know you all still did that. <laughs> <laughs> appropriate, so, appropriate yes, comment. <laughs> yes. And so I have, so there's just two of us. It's me and now my little sister who I'm 50 and she is 30. How old would that make her? 34. Um, so Gosh. anyway, when I was 22 and she was six, our parents got divorced and our mom was really wise and knew that that first Christmas would be really hard. And so she decided she was going to get my little sister a puppy. And I was so excited about her getting a puppy. And I went with mom to pick it out and told her which one I thought she should get. And anyway, long story ugh, still makes me teary, but we Christmas morning, there was the, there was an ornament box, you know, with the cardboard pop out handles. And I could see these little puppy eyes looking through the cardboard box and, I was so excited for Kathleen to open it. And mom said, Sissy, I want you to get down beside her and I want you to help her. And we opened the box and there was a sign that said, sisters for the sisters, the big ones for Sissy and the little ones for Kathleen. And so we both got puppies that Christmas. And that dog, whose name was Noel, was the first dog we ever had on staff at Daystar. And so, you know, I think to, to so much of what you talk about of kindness begets kindness, even in dogs. So this little dog, there was a day that I, something was happening at my house where I couldn't have a dog at my house. I think I had a repairman there or something like that. And so I took my little dog to work and I, that particular day met with an adolescent girl who was contemplating suicide. And you know, what I have to do in that situation is I meet with the child, the child tells me that, and then I have to bring the parent in and tell the parent and say, I want you to take her straight to the hospital, which it's so hard to sit with a kid in that situation. And it is really hard to say that to a parent, yeah. like this is where your child is. And so I had Noel with me, talked to the little girl and I said, not little girl, adolescent girl. And I said, I'm going to need to talk to your mom, but I'm going to leave Noel in here with you, my dog. And so I went and had the conversation with my mom. And then the two of us came back in and Noel was sitting on the girl's lap, licking her tears. Oh. And, and at that point, my boss said, you bring your dog every day. Oh. And so now we have five, but, but I think Noel felt like grace to me and kindness to me as does my dog Lucy. And so I think we just never know where it's going to show up. And the idea that kindness ripples out, even among pets, you know, mm -hmm. it ripples out and I think it changes all of us. So I love that you asked that question. Mm, thank you for sharing that story. Wow. Wow. It leaves me breathless and it leaves me just wanting to say, Everyone, it's going to be okay. We're all in this together, right? And um, yeah, yeah. And you're not alone. Thank you yes. so much, Sissy, for talking with us today. Wow. I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing.
Thank you. Well, you too. I'm so delighted to get to join you in yours. So Sissy's book is called Brave, brand new, and um, you have uh, other books too. So just hop online and, and grab one of her books. Listen to the podcast, Raising Boys and Girls, because it's just full of wonderful inspiration and great advice. And sissygoff.com, anything else you want us? Is that where they go? Or raisingboysandgirls.com? Yes, or on Instagram, Sissy Goff or Raising Boys and Girls. We're trying to put, especially in the pandemic, we're trying to crank out so much helpful information in all of those places. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a really great day. I appreciate you being here with us. You too. And thanks everybody for tuning into the Kindness Podcast. I hope that you found this information just really valuable. Remember, you're not the only one. You're not alone. And, um, I care about you. I like you. So stick around. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. That was a conversation with licensed counselor and author Sissy Goff. You can find more information and resources at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com and follow Sissy on Instagram at Sissy Goff. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 